All right, uh, that being said, I want to invite our dear friend Aaron Nequist back to the stage. And will you guys actually welcome Aaron as he comes up? Thank you. Yeah, so Aaron, um, so in, in this season as a church, we're doing uh, something that we're calling Pictures and Practices of the Kingdom of God. Really basic. From now till Advent, for quite a while, uh, we're doing pictures, images, symbols, parables, things that Jesus uh, teaches and does to help us get a conceptual sort of grasp of God's kingdom. And then practices, actual ways with our bodies and our time and our behaviors that we can take seriously the invitation to receive the gift of the with God life that Jesus not only talks about, but embodies and invites us into. So uh, we did the Beatitudes for a couple of weeks, that big, opening, beautiful, expansive picture that Jesus gives. And then last week and this week, we're moving into prayer as a practice of the kingdom of God. And uh, we invited Aaron to jump into this practice conversation with us, because for a while now, uh, Aaron's been um, investing himself in what he calls a practice-based faith. Uh, Aaron's been a real mentor to me, and I think Dan mentioned this earlier to both of us. Uh, and we thought we'd bring him out here and say, talk to us a little bit about practice-based faith. How, how did you get there, and, and why should we care about it? And then Aaron's going to lead us into some of that in a little bit. Uh, Aaron, will you take us back to the bit of personal biography that sets up this new journey in your life? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's so good to be with you. Um, this whole journey started, as many journeys start, um, with crisis. Um, I was 22, 23, had my first job at a church, was a worship leader, professional Christian, and my faith imploded. It just, it, it ended. It was so weird and uncomfortable. And, and I think what happened, you know, you don't realize it in the time, but looking back, what happened is I had come to believe that the invitation of Christ was fundamentally about mentally believing four or five facts, saying a prayer, and then not doing any bad stuff until heaven. Anybody Amen. else? Anybody relate? We have a little support group. Anyone else <laughs> internalize that kind of message? And it was, ba yeah, it was, it was like believe stuff and then wait. Hmm. And I did. I believed stuff. And I waited. And then it ended. And I remember thinking, there either needs to be more to this story, or I'm done, mm. and I'm out. And so that led into this whole journey into a more practice-based faith. Yeah, yeah. so I, I really relate, um, I think a number of people in this community might relate, that if, if, if your faith is, is very belief-driven, and by belief meaning like cognitive ideas, just kind of living up here, like mental furniture that's arranged just right, beliefs about the Bible or Jesus or God or salvation or whatever, if that's a, the sum total and then something messes with that puzzle, that, that picture, right? Maybe all of a sudden some part of it doesn't add up the way it used to or some new information comes on the scene and you're left wondering if it still is true or if you can still believe it. Well, if that's the only thing you have, it's like a one-legged stool it seems like and that one leg uh, has a crack in it, and all of a sudden, that's a very, very unstable stool. And you talk about uh, practice-based faith not as jettisoning belief, but like broadening, expanding, and kind of relocating the center. Is that fair? Absolutely. Beliefs, beliefs are really important. We're not saying, it doesn't matter what you believe, it's all this. No, no, no. Beliefs are very important. It's just not the goal. Mm. Cor believing correctly is not the goal. 
And what happened with me is as my faith was falling apart, I had a friend um, who he gave me the book, The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. And it was the first time I had ever heard about the kingdom of God. You know, the thing that Jesus taught about the most? Mm. I hadn't (laughs) heard about that for my whole life in church. And so suddenly I'm realizing it's not just about believing stuff and being Christian-y. It's about joining God in what God is doing to redeem and restore all things. And I, I say in the book, actually, Jesus didn't say, here is the truth, believe it. Jesus said, I am the truth. Follow me. Join me. You know, the invitation is participation. And I remember, it's like 23. At that time, I was, you know, as a Scandinavian male, I would cry like <laughs> once every three years. You're you know? still a Scandinavian male, right? I still am okay. a Scandinavian male. Okay. <laughs> um, I did say that in the past tense, didn't I? <laughs> But at that time, um, that was the overriding thing, and I was not a crier or anything. And I remember I was sitting on the floor, leaning up against this fake leather couch, reading this book, and tears just started filling up my eyes. And I remember saying, God, if this mm. is the invitation, wow. I'm in. Yeah. If this is the invitation, I'm in. Now, some of us are going to hear practice-based faith. And we might not have a, a paradigm or a metaphor or an image for that. Yeah. We might think, isn't this... I thought the whole thing is we don't have to earn it. We don't have to yeah. perform it, right? So great you've question. got like a really great image that sort of re- reframes all that. For yeah, us. it's a really simple image. And it's something that we've talked a lot about in our, com- in our community in Chicago. And the, it's, it's literally the, the title. And it's this idea that there is this great river flowing throughout human history toward the redemption and the restoration of all things. Mm. And Jesus called this great river the kingdom of God, where the lost are found, where the broken are mended, where the oppressed are freed and lifted up. As Dr. King said, the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. That's what God's doing in the world. But what's interesting is Jesus does not say, believe that this river is true, or believe that this... Jesus says, do a cannonball into the current with me. Join me. Let me teach you how to swim. Yeah. And so in that context, these practices that we do, whether they're historic Christian practices or brand new practices or whatever they are, every practice is basically the same thing, a way to swim. Mm. It's just another way to swim. Now, question, Does, do practices earn our way into the river? Absolutely not. Mm. We are already invited. Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come. I'll come to me, and I will teach you how to swim. Do we make the river flow faster if we practice correctly? Absolutely not. The river is already flowing. You are already invited. The only question is, will you learn to swim? Will you join Christ in the water and learn to swim? By the way, it's a fun throwback. Uh, So one of our community mantras here is practices, not performances. Which, first of all, is just the good news you said. Like, you, you don't have to personally perform anything to earn the river, right? Yeah. Um, and then as a community, it, it also means that we're not really gathering here for performance. Um, but we're inviting one another into the practices of that current. Um, Aaron was actually our first experimental gathering way back at the brick. This is uh, spring of 2016. Yeah. 
We've been kind of having a little nostalgia here. And one of the reasons we did that first is we wanted to kind of set this in the community right away, this kind of practice idea. Uh, was anybody here tonight back there at the break that night? We've got a couple over there, a couple here. Yeah, nice. It's, I will say it's also been kind of interesting just to take stock of things and realize how many people weren't here all the way back then, which means we have new friends that we can walk together with and invite into this. Um, Aaron, as a community, you've got an image that I find really helpful too, because that practice is not performances thing. It's not just good news for your life and good news for my life, but it, it's meant to shape what we do as a community, because I'm not inviting you to come here and watch a performance at South Bend City Church. We're inviting you to come be a part of a practice community in South Bend City Church, right? So we share with us uh, the, the, the marathon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of a silly analogy, but it's been kind of helpful as I think about what we do when we gather. Okay, imagine for a second that you are a little bit out of shape. Um, this is not Everybody hard. stretch, imagine. <laughs> this is not hard. hard for me to imagine, I'm not gonna lie. But imagine that you're a little bit out of shape and you want to run the Chicago Marathon. Mm. And say it's about nine months away, so you're like, all right, I'm gonna do the work, I'm gonna get in shape, I'm gonna run this marathon. So you go to the local, do you have a YMCA here? Yeah, or, yep. Okay, mm -hmm. right by the brick. Yeah, you saw it. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, look at that. Yeah. So you go to the to um, well, you go to the brick first for, for one final meal, <laughs> and, then, and then you Get go a beer to at the bar. And yeah, then head that's over. right. And then you go to the YMCA and you go to the front desk. You say, "Hey, I'm uh, I want to run this marathon. I need some help. Will you help me train?" And imagine if they were to say, "That's wonderful. We'd love to help you. Come back to this back room. We have a band that's going to lead you in a couple songs, and then we have a marathon expert." who's gonna do a 45 minute lecture on running marathons. <laughs> and you'd be like, not what I expected, but you'd go back and you'd, you'd, and the music would be great and it'd fill your heart and then you'd learn all these things about marathon running, it'd be really helpful. But then they'd say, come back next week and we'll do it again. Come back next week, we'll do it again. Come. And you'll realize over the weeks and months, your brain gets bigger with all this really good and really helpful knowledge about marathon running but your legs are no closer mm. to being able to run those 26.2 miles. Mm. And so that's just a, a little bit of a silly uh, story to illustrate that I don't think we need church merely to be a classroom. Mm -hmm. We've got tons of information. We don't need church to merely be a concert hall. Mm. We need church as a gymnasium where we come together, or maybe as the, in the swimming analogy, where we all come together desiring to learn how to swim with this river for our own lives and for the sake of the world. And we say, all right, how are we gonna learn to swim today? Yeah. Teach us, let's do it together, and then let's swim all week long. I love it. I'm tempted uh, to just keep talking about it, which would, I think, be a pretty severe violation of the spirit of the thing we're actually talking about. So we've actually asked Aaron to lead us in a practice, specifically a prayer practice. Uh, I think prayer is one of those things I mentioned it last week that for a number of us has maybe gotten lost in the process of a deconstruction and a reconstruction, and maybe we're putting some of the pieces back together, but we're not sure where prayer fits in these days. Or um, We've got people in the room who maybe would say, I believe in God through and through, but prayer feels pretty thin. Um, and so, uh, so I asked Aaron if he would lead us in a practice which is historical and rooted in the church and actually shared by many believers, uh, followers of Jesus around the world, but that many of us probably haven't experienced before. It's called the examine. And this is sort of the rest of our sort of formal gathering tonight is Aaron leading us in that. So Aaron, will you, I hold, no, sorry, wait, I keep forgetting. Aaron has a book. Um, 
Aaron, Aaron did not come here to, to pimp his book, um, but I did. I just keep forgetting to. Um, but I really want to encourage you. So this is for sale uh, afterwards. You can go online and find it. It's called The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. And um, a member of our community uh, picked this up a little while ago and came up to me and Dan after she started reading it. And she said, do you guys know Aaron Nequist? And we said, yeah, he's, he's a friend and a mentor of ours. And she said, oh, she said, because the first three chapters, I was like, oh, that's Southland City Church which I took as high praise for what we've been trying to do here. Uh, but what I really mean is um, we want to uh, take you under the hood. And really, a lot of these ideas have been operative for this community, whether you knew it or not. So why not dig a little deeper and see where we're coming from, and then we can kind of work together on what's next in the practice-based journey. So I really would encourage you to grab the book and check it out. It'll help you process this further. And better yet, it'll help you practice. It'll help you try things. Uh, that being said, Aaron, will you lead us? All right. And Jason really wanted me to tell you this. Um, he has offered for an extra $5, he'll sign any of the books. So if you've been wanting his, uh, his autograph, five bucks or two for 11. I don't know. Okay. What I'd love to do, I'd love to teach you this practice. And like Jason said, this is a historic practice. Uh, this was created by St. Ignatius, who founded the Jesuit order in the Catholic Church. And um, as a lifetime Protestant, um, approaching Catholic practices terrified me. Um, in fact, uh, where I grew up, Catholics weren't even going to be in heaven. Like, that was the whole thing. And I have um, come to find out that I have been meeting with the spiritual director for the last five years, Father Michael Sparrow, one of the godliest men I have ever met. And he has taught me a couple of these swimming techniques that I was not given in my Protestant uh, circles that have transformed my relationship with God. And so I'm really excited to teach this one to you. It's called the examine. Basically, the examine is a daily practice to become aware of God's fingerprints in our everyday lives. That's it. It's very simple. The insight here is most of us have an experience and it's great or it's terrible, but it's an experience. And then we're like, all right, done with that. On to the next experience. All right, that was great. On to the next experience. And we never stop and look back and say, what was God doing here? What was going on? What was happening in that conversation? Where, you know, we rarely stop to notice God's fingerprints because God is always working. It's us who are either looking or not. And so this is a simple, St. Ignatius said, um, you should pray and examine 15 minutes every day. That's it, 15 minutes a day to look back over the last 24 hours and just notice God's fingerprints. Thankfully, this practice has five simple steps. Let me teach you to it. And then uh, we're going to jump in and do an examine on our day. Uh, the first step, invitation. We invite the Spirit to lead this time. So the examine is not where I figure out what's going on in my life. The examine is not a self-enhancement uh, exercise. It's a conversation. So we begin by saying, Holy Spirit, would you guide me in this examine? Step two. We review the day in gratitude. 
And this is key. And I'll tell you, from, this was really difficult. Um, I, I hear you guys are into the Enneagram or affiliate. Uh, <laughs> People are excited about the Enneagram. I'm in Enneagram 4, which is the specialist of all the numbers. Um, or so we think. Um, but we also tend to be melancholy and always able to see what's wrong with everything. We are a real gift in relationship. Um, so when I hear this, you know, review the day in gratitude, that's, that sounded to me like, oh yeah, and we'll look for unicorns and like, give me a break. I don't want to do this. But the insight here is whatever we begin with, we place at the center. Whatever we begin with, we place at the center. And when I show up with my, you know, next 11 complaints, it's putting them at the center of the universe. But the reality is, that's not the center of the universe. You know what's at the center? Abundance. Grace. Goodness. There's enough. God is at the center. And so when we begin with what is right, we are acknowledging what is most true in the universe. And so we begin by looking for the goodness, for the beauty, for the gratitude. Step three, as we look back over our day in gratitude, looking for the goodness and the beauty, we begin to notice the emotions that pop up. You will have a number of emotions as you look back over your day. Some positive, some negative, but we notice them. And the insight here is we can convince ourselves about certain things, especially when we're praying and trying to be spiritual and all that. But our emotions often tell us the truth. So we are wise to listen to them. Now, they may not always uh, name the truth perfectly, but they are scratching around at reality, and we are wise to listen, which brings us to step four. We choose one emotion that we noticed, and we just pray about it. And we begin by telling God about it, like a friend tells another friend, God, this is how I feel, and this is what happened. You know, I, I was in that meeting, and that same person said that same thing, and I almost threw him out the window. God, what's that about? Why did I react that way? There's something going, you know, we, we, we share the emotion with God. And then, and here's the key, and then we stop talking and we listen. And this is probably the most difficult part, especially for me. I love to tell God what I think, tell God what he should do about it, say amen, <laughs> go on with my day. And this invites us to just create some space. And sometimes God speaks unmistakably. Sometimes, in my experience, it's like crickets, and I don't know why. But it's not our job to convince God to do anything. It's our job to create space and listen. And then the final step, we look forward to the future in hope. What did I learn today? What did I learn in this examine that I can bring forward into my walk, that I can continue swimming with the current for the sake of the world. Five steps, the examine. Can we jump in? Are you willing? Okay, beautiful. So how about, let's do this. If you would put both feet on the floor, 
invite you, if you have something in your hand, if it's distracting, if you can just set it on the floor, invite you to sit up straight, not like rigid, but just opening up your lungs a little bit. I want to invite you to take in two really deep breaths and exhales. And as you do, be reminded again that you are already fully immersed in the presence of your loving creator. If it's helpful to hold your hands in a certain way, either open or over your heart or in your lap or as Father Michael would say, say to God with your body what you're saying with your heart and with your mind. And we begin with step one, inviting the Holy Spirit to guide this time. I want to give us just 30 seconds in your own words to invite God to lead your thoughts, to lead your heart, to lead your body, to lead you in these next 10 minutes or so. Step two, in God's presence, guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's review the last day in gratitude. And let's review Saturday together. So let's begin Saturday morning when you woke up. How'd you feel getting out of bed? Did you feel groggy? Did you feel sick? Did you feel energized, grateful? What was the, what was going on in you? What was happening in your body as you were getting out of bed? What did you have for breakfast? Did you eat with somebody? What was the conversation like? Or, or what were you thinking about? And then after breakfast, what did you do? What did you read? Where did you go? And again, notice what is right. Notice the moments of goodness. Notice the people that you love. Notice the blessings in your life. As you continue to review the day and move on towards lunch and into the afternoon, I want to give us two minutes to continue to review, review the day in gratitude. Focusing on the good, noticing that first. But then also as you review, notice the emotions that keep popping up. 
Don't judge them. Don't try to smash them down. Notice them. Be curious about them. These next two minutes are yours. Review the day in gratitude. Notice the emotions. Holy Spirit, would you guide us now as we pray and listen? move to step four where we choose one of the emotions that surfaced. Maybe it's a positive. Maybe it's a negative. Maybe it's something that you really want to dig, dig into. Or maybe it's something that you've been trying to run away from, but you hear God saying, here it is. Join me. Would you choose one of the emotions that surfaced? And I want to give us 30 seconds to talk to God about it. As one friend speaking to another, tell God why you feel the way you feel. Don't hold anything back. God can take it. God can receive it. So take just a few moments and pour your heart out about this emotion. you imagine God wants to say in response to what you've just shared? Again, let's just take a moment in quiet and do our best to create space for God to say whatever 
God wants to say. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Finally, can we stand together? Step five is look forward to tomorrow in hope. And to help us do this, uh, maybe once again, as we prayed earlier in this service, we could pray the Lord's Prayer, not just with our voices, not just with our minds, but pray that God's will would be done and God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven and pray it with our whole bodies. Friends, let's close this examine by praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And we say, Our Father, You guys help me thank Aaron for being with us and leading us today. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I sort of dip into a new practice like that, it often feels about like my first day back at the gym with a new trainer teaching me things my body doesn't seem like it's meant to do. Uh, it can feel weird or it can not feel very exciting or whatever, you know, but there's always that little part of me that, that senses, that knows that if I did actually continue the practice, if I actually made it a regular pattern, there's probably something waiting for me in it, some potential, some promise, right? So what I would encourage this whole community, all of us to do, is let's not just do this today. Uh, we had a good trainer here to kind of take us through the, the motions of it, but let's see what's waiting for us in it all week long. Like, what if we tried it every day? A couple of things to help. On our email newsletter uh, uh, early this week, we're gonna send you the same outline that Aaron used, the basic headings for what happens in the examine. Uh, we'll also link, uh, there's a CD out here that you can buy that has a guided audio version of the examine. We'll send you a link uh, to where that also lives online. And I would say, let's try it this week, and then let's come back next week, we'll do a bit of a debrief, and see if anybody wants to share anything with the community about what they learned in their practice, uh, so we can help each other along the way, right? Sound good? 
Excellent. Awesome. Right on. Uh, cool. Uh, we'll be on our way then uh, with this benediction that we offer one another every week. Grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you guys. See you next week.